Well, let's get started. Uh, let's stand and ask the Lord's blessing on our study this evening. Our Lord, thou art uh, deserving of all reverence and glory. Uh, we humble ourselves beneath thee and thy word even now. Thou art our Lord and our Master, and we would, Lord, know uh, thy truth and be given help uh, and direction for our lives that we might honor thee. Lord, we ask that thou would uh, come among us, that thy word would come alive unto us, that it would not be simply words upon a page but that it would be the living and abiding Word of God in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, cleanse us of our sin as we do approach Thee, through Christ our Savior. Amen. Well, let's uh, turn in our Bibles to John chapter 13. And I will... Begin reading with verse 1. We covered last week verses 1 through 5, and tonight we are going to focus uh, on verses 6 through 15. But let us uh, begin with verse 1, pick up the context, and then we'll get into the study itself. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, 
Know you what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord. Ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. So let us uh, just very briefly uh, review uh, the first five verses from our previous study. We see that this uh, context is at the Passover meal, the very night in which the Lord Jesus, later on in the night, was to be arrested uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus uh, leaves here an enduring impression on uh, the minds of his disciples, not only his disciples at that time who were in the room with him, but all of us who are his disciples, leaves a lasting impression on our minds as well as he demonstrates through his own example that it is greater in God's sight for us to become the servants of all than to be the Lord of all, the master of all. That's what's important to God is that we be the servants of all. Jesus, we saw last uh, study, he takes off his outer garment and takes a basin of water and a towel and then goes from one disciple to the other, assuming to himself probably among the most lowly jobs uh, that a servant in the house would perform at that particular time, washing the dirty feet of guests and him washing the dirty feet of his own disciples. What is the most humbling fact about this is that uh, it's not only all of those disciples who would follow him, who believed in him, whose feet he washed, but he even washed the feet of the very one who would betray him, uh, even Judas Iscariot. Judas had already conspired uh, with the priests, the high priest and all the priests to betray the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That was already done. That was already accomplished. The, uh, the plot, the plan had been set in motion. It just needed to be realized and it would be realized later on this evening, uh, uh, that evening. So here's Jesus, the sinless son of God, he even humbled himself to serve and to extend mercy to Judas, who brought an evil report against him, who betrayed him. He lowered himself even to serve Judas. This is not incidental, it's not accidental, but it's rather intentional. It's rather instructive to us all that it is our love-bound duty to do so as well. And Jesus will make that point uh, in the study this evening. It is not just something Jesus did. It is our duty, love-bound duty, to serve one another, uh, even those who as Judas betrayed the Lord, even those uh, that 
have done likewise to us. If this is what the Master has done, then it is certainly what we should do as well with those who have offended us, those who have betrayed us, those who have brought an evil report against us. Where's the bitterness? Where's the resentment in Jesus? Knowing what Judas was going to do, knowing that Judas was going, had already conspired against him, where is the bitterness and resentment in Jesus? Um, I dare say none of us can find that in Jesus. And uh, we can't simply say, well, he was sinless. Obviously, there's not going to be any bitterness or resentment. He did so as an example for us for, to follow. You know, Jesus was willing to allow God's justice take care of Judas in this situation, but Jesus himself personally extended mercy uh, to Judas. So let's now begin, that being a review, let's begin with where our text for this evening begins in verse 6, John 13, 6. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? <clears throat> the word then that, that we have in the King James Version in verse 6, the, the very first word there, the word then does not mean uh, that there was uh, an order here that he had begun with others and then this is what happened. So it's not, it's not that type of a word that's used here. It may seem to be that it's talking about certain events having happened and then the next event that happened was this. Uh, but rather the word then there uh, is the word that we might translate therefore. Uh, so it's kind of an inference or a conclusion. Uh, all that has been said in verses one through five uh, we come to verse 6, Therefore, uh, or then, cometh he to Simon Peter. <clears throat> Peter's question uh, here places the emphasis upon the word thou. Uh, you see, uh, Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet. Uh, the word thou uh, in uh, Greek, the, the Greek text, that is the first in the sentence. Um, when Peter says, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? It's thou that is the first word in the Greek sentence, which is the way that uh, in the Greek language you have emphasis. That's emphatic. It's saying even you, Lord, uh, you are about to wash my feet. And so it's, it's uh, like highlighting, underlining uh, that, um, that word thou. In other words, thou, my sinless Lord, my Messiah, the Son of God, dost thou wash my feet as a lowly, sinful uh, human being? Unbelievable. That, you, that thou would do so. Verse 7, Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, 
thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. So Jesus assures Peter that though he doesn't presently, Peter doesn't presently understand the reason why Jesus is washing his feet, he will understand hereafter why Jesus is doing so. In other words, Jesus assures him that he will have knowledge as to the reason. And so many times the Lord doesn't, as we read from his word, we may not have immediate understanding of all the implications of certain commands that are in God's word. We may not, uh, again, understand a particular text of scripture. We may not have full understanding. God doesn't say, first fully understand what I tell you to do, then go and do it. He tells us to do what we're commanded to do. And when we do what he commands us to do, ordinarily, God gives us more insight and more understanding as we are obedient. And so, that's what the Lord is doing here with Peter. You may not understand why I'm doing this, but you know I need to do this. Wash your feet right now. And you'll understand more later. That's what uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 uh, means. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't lean unto your own understanding. Don't lean unto what you think uh, trust in God and what he says. And then the verse goes on to say, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So first of all, uh, we don't, uh, if we do understand something to a great measure, uh, initially praise God for that. Praise God for whatever understanding he gives us. But we're not expected to wait until we have a full and complete understanding and every single one of our questions uh, is answered before we obey the Lord. Is that, isn't that what you want of your own children? Do you want your own children to be questioning and questioning and questioning and questioning when you ask them to do something or when, they, when you ask them to do something and they understand what you've asked them to do, don't you as a parent want them to do what you've asked them to? Nothing wrong, I suppose, at all, as a child gets older, uh, to, uh, if they have questions, wanting to answer their questions. But their full and complete understanding uh, is not the basis upon which they should do what they're told to do. It should be based upon, again, you know, the authority uh, that's in the parent. And so likewise, uh, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't have to fully understand everything that Jesus tells us before we obey him. All we need is sufficient understanding. What has Jesus told us to do? And then we do it. And even as we wait upon a fuller understanding, we trust him. God, I believe so often, gives us a peace. Gives us a peace knowing he's all wise. And if I don't have a full understanding right now, 
He knows my desire. I want a fuller understanding. And he makes known mistakes about what he tells us to do or the timing in which he gives to us um, understanding of the command or the teaching found in his word. Verse 8. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Our, our King James Version here doesn't really do justice to, as to how emphatic um, Peter is here and what he says to the Lord Jesus. Uh, Peter literally says, it's a double negative at the, at the, at the first part uh, of, the, of his response. No, not shalt thou wash my feet unto eternity or forever. It's never going to happen, Lord, that thou wash my feet. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing uh, to be humble before the Lord. It's another thing to act as though one is being humble in refusing what the Lord would have us to do, call us to do. Here, Peter, I would submit, is not really showing true humility. Um, I believe true humility would have recognized, certainly, that the Lord, the Master, is washing his feet and would be greatly humbled by that. But it's not humility to say, no, Lord, you're never going to do what you just you know, said you, you need to do. You're never going to do that to me. That's, that's not humility. It's a false humility. It's not a, a true humility. Um, you know, we, we can fall into a, a similar kind of attitude when, for example, you know, certain gifts that God has given to us to use for His glory, okay? And uh, we basically put our gift, the gifts down that God has given to us, and we put them down and put them down and put them down. You know, we just uh, can't do anything. We're, we're, we're servants that don't have any gifts. Uh, it's like the parable um, of the ten talents. And, uh, you know, the Lord speaks in the parable that one servant was given five to another three and to another uh, servant one talent. And uh, the one with five talents went out and increased by five more. The one with three talents went and increased by three more. The one with one talent went and hid it, buried it. Um, and uh, the Lord, the Master, comes back and he rewards the two, first two servants uh, who gained and used their talents to gain five more talents. And again, talents are not simply... In our, in our thinking, it would be like abilities, but the talents there is talking about money, uh, you know, a talent of gold or something of that nature, uh, or silver. Um, that would be a weight measure. But I think it's applicable to our gifts. I think it's applic 
applicable to our abilities or resources that God has given to us. But he comes to the uh, one with the one talent uh, and who hit it and you know, calls him forth and he says, this is all I've got, is the one talent. And he, the Lord says, take the talent from him and give it to the one with five talents that earned five more. Um, and um, the Lord pronounces judgment upon that individual. Uh, that, I think, is something that we must be very careful that we don't do because we downplay such, because God has said, He's given us all abilities to use to glorify him. He's given us resources in order to glorify him and to act as though he's not and to, I think, have a false humility about that when God says he has. It's kind of doing what Peter was doing. You're never going to do that uh, to me, Lord. Wash my feet. And we're saying, you know, Lord... I'm never going to have an ability. I'm never going to have a talent to use for thy glory, uh, to bring others to Christ, to serve the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's it's a, a similar kind of a false humility. Jesus, in uh, verse 8, however, does not allow... Uh, Peter's response to be... Uh, acceptable, it's not an option. Uh, the Lord Jesus makes very clear. He answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Uh, so Jesus is saying to Peter, after Peter had been so um, adamant uh, that it, Jesus was never going to do it, and Jesus says, Well, if I don't do it, you have no part with me. You have no relationship with me. Um, we'll say more about what that means uh, in just a moment. But su suffice it to say at this point that Jesus is saying that unless he washes Peter's feet, Peter is separated from Christ. Peter is lost. He has no relationship with Jesus Christ. Suffice it to at least say that at this point as to what Jesus is teaching. Verse 9. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So Peter uh, inadvertently then right, right there on the spot upon hearing that, that he had no relationship with the Lord, if if the Lord doesn't wash his feet, he blurts out with great emotion at hearing the consequence of Christ not washing his feet. And he exclaims that Jesus must then not only wash his feet, don't just stop there. Uh, wash my, my head, wash my hands, give me a bath, wash me all over, if that's, if that's it. In other words, uh, if a little is good washing my feet, then, then a lot is much better. Wash my whole body. Yeah, and I think that Peter's basically saying, I can't even imagine, Lord, having no part, having no relationship with, with thee. And says that to the Lord that if his relationship with Jesus depends upon Jesus washing his feet, then wash everything. 
wash me from head to foot. It's as though Peter here is saying, I'll go beyond uh, even what you require of me, Lord. <clears throat> and again, there may, I'm not questioning that, that uh, there was sincerity on the part of Peter at this point. But we can be sincerely wrong as well. Can we do more than what Jesus calls us to do? Uh, in Roman Catholic uh, doctrine, there is the doctrine of works of supererogation. Uh, works of supererogation are works that are claimed uh, on behalf of certain saints here upon the earth. Um, that they are able to do more than what God requires. Their righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the law of God. And therefore, um, their works of supererogation uh, in Roman Catholic theology is uh, those works that, are, that exceed, go beyond perfection. You know, it, it's to be perfect to obey the law of God without any sin, right? Uh, and so, one who does more than what God's law requires in their theology, those works or that righteousness is then collected into some kind of a heavenly treasure chest in, and stored in heaven. And those works of supererogation, that righteousness that is beyond the law of God, is dispensed uh, by the Pope uh, to those who meet certain requirements here upon the earth. Those works are given to, or the, the, that righteousness is given to them in the form of indulgences. Indulgences which the Pope grants to help family members who are in purgatory to escape purgatory, the flames of purgatory, sooner than they would otherwise escape purgatory and can go into, um, into heaven. So again, it's... To talk about Peter, you know, saying uh, we can understand his sincerity, you know, not just my feet, Lord, my body, my whole body. I, you know, I, I can appreciate the sincerity of that, but again, there is a sense in which for Peter to think that he's asking that he wants more than what Jesus has required of him. It, I think that it's important to understand Jesus wants us to obey him. Not to do more than what he requires, but to obey him. Just, just love me, just obey him. And again, we, we can't even do that uh, perfectly or sinlessly, though that's the command. Um, uh, we all fall short. And, and it's not that we store up anything, it's that his righteousness, which we lack, is supplied to fill up everything that we don't have. And that's the wonder of God's mercy and God's grace unto us who trust in him.
Verse 10, John 13, 10. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save or accept. You know, the word save there um, means basically accept. He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Okay, now we begin to get into the meaning of the, the washing, what Jesus was teaching by the washing here. There basically, again, are in view two types of washing. The washing of the feet and the washing of the whole body. And Jesus tells Peter that he does not need uh, to have his whole body washed. That's already occurred. That Peter only needs to have his feet washed. So let's see if we can understand what Jesus is saying here. Uh, he's obviously not simply talking about outward washing. That's not the... That's not the, uh, uh, the truth that is being conveyed here. The washing of the whole body uh, is our justification in which we are judicially washed and forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and future, when we trust in Jesus Christ, when we come to him and believe his promise, receive him as Savior and as Lord, looking away from our sin, our righteousness, and looking only to Jesus uh, to rescue us and to save us. And so before God, in our justification, that justification happens only once. It's a bath or a bathing that happens only once. It's not a repeatable a bathing uh, this is a once-in-a-lifetime uh, bathing, uh, our justification, where God declares us to be righteous in Christ, where our sins are forgiven once and for all before God is judge, and where His righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, is imputed or credited to our account once and for all, per His perfect righteousness. None of those are repeatable. They happen once. Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, we read, <clears throat> verse, just start with verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive, together with him, that is with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses. All of your trespasses have been forgiven in justification. That's why Romans 8.1 says, therefore there is now no condemnation to them that are in 
Christ Jesus. Uh, there is, uh, Jesus says that when we believe in him, we've passed, at that point, we've passed from death into life. The person who believes uh, shall not come into condemnation uh, ever again. And so uh, that, that is the nature of justification. Uh, in the Shorter Catechism, question 33, the question is, what is justification? And this is the answer. Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardoneth all our sins and accepteth us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, that is credited to us, and received by faith alone. This is an act uh, that happens once. It doesn't say a work of God's uh, free grace. I'll, I'll show the difference in just a moment between act and work, but this is a single act that happens once. Uh, it cannot be improved upon. We can't be more righteous in God's sight than we, than we are when we believe and trust in Jesus because we are righteous in Jesus once and for all. And if that is not something that we ever keep before us as we as we strive and endeavor to live for the Lord every day and we see our failures, we see our, how we falter, we see how we fail the Lord. But if we don't keep that in mind, that that's what God says about me as I trust in him, that's what he says about me, I think we'll again lose hope. Um, because uh, there's not a whole lot of hope in failure. There's not a whole lot of hope when we sin and, and, and if we don't have in view uh, our justification that's unchangeable before God because it's not based upon our righteousness. It's based upon the unchangeable righteousness of Jesus Christ. But notice uh, question 35 of the Shorter Catechism talks about sanctification. Sanctification is the work, notice, work of God's free grace, not the act. Justification is a single act. Sanctification, which is God growing us uh, in holiness here in this earth, in our earthly life, that's a work, that's ongoing, that's a process. Whereby goes on, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die into sin and to live unto righteousness. So uh, in this illustration of, the, of Jesus uh, and the bathings that he talks here, washing the feet and washing the whole body, um, Again, the whole body is signifying our justification. The washing of our feet is something that we do daily. That's coming to the Lord 
and seeking his forgiveness as a reconciled father, not as our judge. God as our judge has declared us righteous once and for all. And so our daily coming and seeking forgiveness is not coming to God as, as one who is uh, our judge who is uh, ready to condemn us, but he's, we come to God as our Father and one who is reconciled unto us through Jesus Christ. And so that's what we need, and that's why Jesus says, uh, if I don't wash your feet, uh, if, again, you're not receiving daily forgiveness, uh, you, you have no part with me. You don't have, again, a relationship because all who are justified, truly, who have bathed entirely, are going to uh, pursue sanctification. They're going to pursue daily cleansing because they realize there isn't any fellowship, there isn't any communion with the Lord if we're not daily confessing our sins and receiving a pardon, receiving, again, his forgiveness for those as a reconciled father unto us. It's just like you can be, as a parent, uh, with your children, and your child does something that's very uh, disobedient, disrespectful, you don't cast your child out of the family and say, you know, uh, because the child uh, sins and, or is disrespectful, you don't cast the child out of the family. But does it not hinder your fellowship? Does it not hinder your communion with your parent? If you have sinned in that way against your, your, your mother or your father? Yeah. And so likewise, in our spiritual relationship, uh, the same is true. If we sin against the Lord, uh, it's going to hinder our, our fellowship and communion with Christ. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, and it's speaking to believers, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we have that daily forgiveness in order to enjoy uh, that relationship, that communion, that fellowship with the Lord Jesus. That's what we have in the Lord's Prayer. A prayer that <clears throat> is a pattern, model prayer. How does Jesus teach us <clears throat> as believers to approach God? Our Father, which art in heaven, <clears throat> right? Our Father our reconciled and loving Father who art in heaven. If we have been justified, as I said, we will be sanctified. We will be growing. Will we fall? Yes. Will we sin? Yes. That's why we need, again, daily to have access to the Lord, to have our feet washed, to have, again, the daily pardon of our sins. David was, King David was justified once and for all. Um, Romans chapter 4 says he was justified by faith alone, declared righteous by God uh, through the righteousness of God alone. But when he sinned, 
with Bathsheba, uh, he sought forgiveness uh, from his reconciled father in Psalm 51, uh, verses 2 through 3. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He prays to the Lord. However, Jesus says they're not all clean. There's one that is not clean. That's Judas. He has not been bathed. Uh, he has not been justified. Uh, the Lord Jesus says in verse 10, but not all. Not all are justified. And he's, he goes on to say, verse 11, for he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Verse 12, so after he had washed their feet, so he makes his rounds, Jesus makes his rounds through all the disciples, including Judas. After he had washed their feet and had taken his garments, so he put his outer garment back on and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Now remember before, in verse 7, Jesus said, What I do... Thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. So now is the hereafter in which the Lord Jesus is going to uh, give them more knowledge. <clears throat> so Jesus does not want his disciples here to be ignorant of what he had just done, as if it were just merely some outward act or ceremony uh, that they were to go through. He's asking them if they truly understand the significance of what he has done. There's a spiritual significance. It's not merely, you know, uh, the literal washing of feet or taking a bath. It's, that, that's not, that's just a figure. That's just a figure of speech, that, an analogy. That's not the significance. And so, Jesus comes to them and he's asking them, do you truly understand what I've just done to you? And I think that it's important um, that we also ask ourselves, do we understand? Are we satisfied as we read the Bible? Are we just satisfied with reading the words that we find on a page? Are we satisfied with a very superficial degree of knowledge of Christ and his doctrine and his truth? Knowledge of his ordinances, his sacraments? Or do we truly earnestly desire to know in as full a measure as God will grant us to know his truth? Is that what we're praying for? Or are we just satisfied? I read the Bible today. I fulfilled my duty. I didn't really get anything out of it. But anyway, I did it. See, uh, Jesus is not satisfied with that. That's, that's again, um, sounds like what the Pharisees would do. Um, not what his disciples should do.
we should desire again to have as full of an understanding as God will grant to us and are we asking for it are we pleading with them to give us a fuller understanding of his truth and he'll he will do so he will give us a, I think a greater understanding if we truly sincerely ask him for it and if we are doing what we already know to be his will he's not going to give us more understanding concerning his truth if we're not even doing what he what we already know to be his truth why should he do that why should he give us more knowledge if with the knowledge that we already have we're we're hiding it, uh, we're burying it, uh, we're throwing it behind us, we're procrastinating, we're making excuses for why we can't do it. Verse 13, Jesus says, Ye call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. So Jesus states here what his disciples professed concerning him, namely that he was master and Lord. Uh, in other words, Jesus is saying, this is a given. This is what you all believe about me, that I am master and Lord. So Jesus affirms this to be true as well, that he was master and Lord. Verse 14. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Here's the application. That if I, and you acknowledge this, all of you who are my disciples, if I, the Lord, have lowered myself, humbled myself, and it has not been beneath me to come to you and to wash your feet as your Lord, and as your master, who do you think you are to not do the same to one another? Who are servants? To not serve, to not show mercy, even to those like a Judas. And then verse 15. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Did Jesus mean here when he says that I've given this as an example that you should do as I've done to you? Does Jesus mean that foot washing is an appointed ordinance, uh, a perpetual ordinance or even a sacrament that is to be practiced within the church well um, some churches that is the case uh, you probably know that uh, it's uh, an annual practice of the Pope uh, to to do so at Easter time to go and to wash the feet of, um, of certain you know people maybe uh, uh, in, who are coming out of uh, who are homeless or whatever it may be various circumstances but that is that is a practice it's a ritual uh, that is basically uh, done in that uh, uh, in the 
Catholic Church uh, by the Pope each year. Um, various branches of the uh, Brethren Church, there are many different branches, uh, but various branches of the Brethren Church um, also practice uh, foot washing along with, when they, whenever they have the Lord's Supper, they also practice along with the Lord's Supper uh, uh, foot washing based upon what Jesus says here, as I've done to you, so you do to one another. But <clears throat> the Lord has led, left to us um, two sacraments, uh, not three, baptism and the Lord's Supper. He's left to us two sacraments, not seven, uh, as the Roman Catholic Church teaches, uh, two that he's left unto us. Uh, in Matthew chapter 28, Verses 19 through 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Likewise, in 1 Corinthians 11:26, with regard to the Lord's Supper, uh, we read the Apostle Paul speaking, says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Both of these, baptism and Lord's Supper, uh, are told, are, are uh, spoken of in the New Testament that we are to do so until the Lord comes. Nothing of that nature is ever said with regard to foot washing. Nothing is... Uh, uh, ever noted in the apostolic teaching that this is an ongoing practice like baptism and the Lord's Supper, you know, in Acts 2 and throughout the book of Acts we see again uh, various baptisms, uh, we see uh, the Lord's Supper celebrated at various times um, in the book of Acts and uh, certainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as well. So we, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, as oft as ye do. So this is uh, very clearly something uh, that is to be done by the whole church. Uh, we are to have um, uh, those sacraments until Christ comes. But nothing like that is ever stated with regard to foot washing. The only other reference to foot washing in the New Testament uh, is found in 1 Timothy 5.10 with regard to widows uh, who are supported uh, by, the, by the church, cared for because they have uh, no one to care for them. They have no family, they are godly women and uh, have fulfilled certain um, uh, standards. And it says concerning these widows um, that they are well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. So, Again, 
to simply state if she hath washed the saints' feet uh, is not to say that it was an ordinance. Uh, again, that was a common practice. And basically, uh, a common practice amongst uh, you know, entertaining guests um, that you, you kind of uh, would uh, show your hospitality, and if you had servants, they would do so. But again, if you were poor, like these women probably were, you did it yourself. You washed the feet of strangers who came. Uh, and so this doesn't mean it was an ordinance um, uh, that God, that Christ commanded to continue or like a sacrament. <clears throat> Not spoken of the whole church doing so in this case, but only of these widows uh, in particular. And so we are all uh, to follow Christ's example in serving one another um, uh, by washing feet as, as typical as a, a figure of speech, of serving one another, lowering, humbling ourselves, even as Jesus did uh, with all of his disciples and even with the one who would betray him, even with the one who had, uh, would speak against him and spread an evil report about him. He washed his feet. And so, likewise, the Lord Jesus says to us, every one of us, uh, go and do likewise. We show that we are united to Jesus Christ in following and doing what Jesus has done. And by the same token, we show we're not united to Christ, that it's a mere outward profession when we refuse to do so. May God grant us the grace, each of us, to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus here. Let's ask the Lord's blessing upon what we have uh, studied this evening. Our merciful God and Savior, our Lord Jesus, thou hast humbled thyself in a way that no one else has humbled themselves. In coming from the throne of thy glory and assuming to thyself a, a human nature, a body, in order to suffer, in order to pay the debt of our sin. This washing the feet is just an illustration of all that thou hast done, Lord Jesus, in humbling thyself. For we who spat upon thee and hated thee and despised thee, and thou did not serve us by humbling thyself to, uh, uh, upon the cross because we... Lord, uh, we're already serving Thee faithfully, but while we were yet enemies, Jesus died for us. Father, give to us that grace, that humility, to walk as Jesus has walked. We ask for the strength, for we are weak, we are frail. We will fall, but Lord, pick us up, help us, 
Lord, to walk as Jesus has walked. In Christ's name, amen.